Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast is brought to you by The Word magazine, media partner of Latitude Festival 2010. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Completely English. He's the most English guy I've ever met. He wants no more than to be driving on the A303 uh, through uh, Salisbury Plain past Stonehenge with a thermos of uh, warm tea. Yeah, racing what would hopefully a bit of drizzle and the a 1920s guidebook <laughs> exactly <laughs> which he, he did recommend to me actually yeah. he told me to read some book about somebody who walked around the coast of, of England in the 1920s or something I think he'd like to be back there I think he would and he uses uh, a kind of rock and roll terminology yeah, no. it's very 70s so if you say to Kimberly Rue would you like a cup of tea so they're saying yes he says knock yourself out <laughs> <laughs> no. and if he, or else there's another way of saying yes he's monster <laughs> yeah. I, said, I love knock yourself out I didn't know for years what it meant I didn't, does that mean was well, that a tea or not a tea I don't yeah. know knock yourself out <laughs> and we're, reco- we're re- recording for us we've been recording for ages oh, oh god oh ok yeah, that's the oh, free and easy way of the oh, word okay. podcast right. is that coming as a shock to our special guest yes boo who you doing hello nice hello. to see you yeah, nice to see have you have you come far I come from my house I live in Cambridgeshire in a place called Ely right near the cathedral out in the fence yeah that's right and you brought your uke. I brought a uke and a guitar. And a you guitar. said I should bring my ukulele. I must well, say, I haven't played my ukulele very often, but it looks nice, doesn't it? It's, it's a beautiful lovely. thing. It's a beautiful thing. It always helps on a podcast where things <laughs> look nice. <laughs> you, uh, you blogged on your very excellent blog. Thank you. Which yeah. I do heartily recommend. It's terrific. Uh, about, uh, you were actually transcribing, uh, which song was it's, it? It's for? Who Loves the Sun, the Velvet Underground Sound. It's for friend of mine called Haftis Holt. I don't know if you're aware of her work. We, we've had her on the Word CD, I think, yeah. in the past. Yes, you have, yeah. And, uh, and you transposed this to, transcribe this, if that's the appropriate yes. word, to uh, the ukulele. Yeah, she said she wanted to sing a Velvet Underground song with a ukulele, so <laughs> I did as I was told. So, but now you said this, I, I, had to, I had to print it out and everything, because it was like four years ago, so I'm a, you know. But the theory is that anything on the ukulele sounds... Perky and yeah, bright. it does. Well, like yours. Uh, relax, don't do it. When you wanna go to it, relax, don't do it. When you wanna come, so you know. That's it, Sean Slater. That, that wouldn't have been banned, would it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love will tear us apart. About that. You try love will tear us apart. I'm not sure I could actually. No. I, no, what I did you know the other Hellhound one? on my train by Robert <laughs> Johnson. Then. Well, they all sound like that anyway. anyway. The Silicosis Blues by Josh White. Yeah. Murder Ballad, Silicosis Cave. You know. Oh, I used to do the ship song. Oh, go on. No ships around me. <laughs> and that's, that's all I can remember of it. So but it, it was quite cheerful up there, wasn't it? It sounds cheerful. But already you see bit of it. cheery yeah. washing women, you know, linking arms. <laughs> it's just one of those. Probably swinging around lamppost. Yes, exactly. It's one of those instruments. Yeah, it's it? a you beautiful know, thing. It's like people always think saxophones. Saxophones, they always think that they sound kind of slinky and sexy, Ooh. don't they? Yes. Well, they can't so. always. But you know, well, it's just associated with two. That might be a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, when talking about you, we, we can't avoid the expression respect to songwriter. Right. I suppose it's one of those things. That's that fair enough. Up, it's, not, it's not. Uh, so, you, you know, writing for yourself, but also for yeah. plenty of other people. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, just good. Uh, you had Chris Difford on, don't you? We, yes. We've made this our second record we've made up together. Yeah, it's yeah. It's very enjoyable making up songs with him because he just gives you a sheet of paper with some words on and, he's, and he says, I'll come back in 10 minutes, and that's. What a, what a great expression, making up songs. Isn't yeah, it? I, I never like writing really. songs. I still like saying making see, up songs. So it sounds a bit pretentious. I get it, it's brilliant. I'm writing a song. <laughs> I'm composing. Please, another martini and a quarter of an hour yeah. on my own. You know. Yeah. God, that's brilliant. Yeah. But he just gives you the words. Yes, it's fantastic. I'll, I'll quite often go to Brighton and sit in his front room and he's, he's, he'll have about four or five things. And he gives me about five minutes. And if he likes it, we carry on. If not, we try another one. And uh, sometimes he, he's only got, like, he does an amazing thing. This is an amazing thing. Uh, it should be on the telly. Uh, sometimes you have, like, four lines, and you start playing something, and he goes, oh, I like that, carry on. And he puts, a, he puts a monitor in front of me, and while I'm playing, he writes in real time, and it comes down like wow. that. Oh, how extraordinary. No one else can do that. And they're really good. You might, you might have to edit them a bit, but, you, you know, we've done that two or three so times. So he's typing. So as you yeah. play the as I, as I play the chords and I'm singing, the, the, the words appear through his brain. Onto the computer. That's, That's extraordinary. Really yeah. extraordinary. Well, he's, he's very good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be a live entertainment television it show. It could be. It could be, yeah. Um, composed with Chris. You know, we yeah. send him the germ of an idea of a chord sequence. And yeah. To, as you say, in, in, yeah. in real time. Well, yeah. he does a lot of these songwriting workshops, doesn't he? And, uh, which you probably may have been involved I, in. I do. Well, we are, we're going to do our first one together in uh, the summer in Devon for people called Arvon. Who normally do uh, authors like Martin Amis oh, right, and stuff, yeah. and then they they thought they'd have a songwriter one. So what does that consist of? Then? So if well, I went along to see you and Chris, well, with my Chris would do guitar. Chris yeah. would do quite a fair bit of talking. I'd do a fair bit of talking. I quite like talking about how some songs came to be written, and a lot of it is that when people play their songs, they're quite sort of rambly, and you just help them become unrambly. And it's a lovely chance just for a week to spend making up songs rather than having to do other stuff. So they, they're all, their project is to write a song and probably perform it in front of the group. Well, the, the one of the of ones I do days. at Bath University, which I really like, is they have a house band. So the day starts with nothing, somebody m- makes something up, and then by the end of it, there's a really good house band playing it and performing it in front of an audience. So you go, you go through the whole... And like, so that all takes place in one you, day? You might, yeah, every day that can happen. So rather than having to wait around for, for five years and all that. And sort of. But presumably, before I start writing my song, I sit and hear you and Chris talk about yeah. the experience of writing your songs and how you arrive at... Well, a lot, of the, of how, a lot of the mistakes that you can avoid, you know, over the years. <laughs> you sort of try and save people time. Give us a mistake that's worth uh, well, actually, actually, more of a... P- positive thing which I really really liked as a man whose name escapes me I met in Nashville I went to Nashville to try and write songs and he was an English fellow who lived there for 40 years and I said what's the best thing that you found out about writing songs and I thought he was going to say all sorts of things and he just said the longer you hold the chord the bigger it sounds when you change it that's that's Ooh. probably the biggest thing that anyone ever said to me. Well, everyone's all first yeah. songs go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, back to the ukulele. Yes, exactly. There's a kind of nervous fidgetiness. Well, people change chords, like, you know, people's all first songs are just chords all over the place. But a lot of really great songs, they've got hardly any changes in at all. They said about arrangement, don't they? That it's so easy to fill holes, whereas actually silence and space. Yeah, so that was a really big thing big thing there's a you know taking care not to repeat yourself in verses but don't be afraid to repeat yourself in choruses all really obvious things that people go oh it's great watching their faces you know so. yes absolutely so you know so do you persevere a lot with songs i, I was interested in this because i was talking to to mary gauchet recently yeah. uh, and we will actually put out part of that interview as a podcast next week mm. where she was talking about it took her two years i think she said mm. to write the bridge in i drink Yes. Two I mean, years, thinking about it every day. Yeah, she probably did other stuff as well, didn't yes. she? You know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, but there's a song, the first, a What song. if she didn't? That'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Eating, you know, in, drinking tea and smoking. <laughs> Faz a chip. Yes. <laughs> I've had, I, there's one song that uh, it was nine years it took me, to, um, you know, before I was happy with it. The, the actual first idea, she'd probably say the same, it sort of comes like that, and then, you know, there's that little moment when it feels finished, you know. So it's, it's nine record. years. Yeah, it's what, nine years. What was the song? It's a song called Joke, which Eddie did, and it was a like she had it as a, a single. I started it's Eddie Reader. Eddie Reader. Yeah, I started that. When, yeah, I started that when I was twenty, I think, and it was twenty-nine when I finished it and gave it to her. Yeah. 
So you you actually didn't publish it or anything? No, I kept I finished. kept going back to it and back to it, and I just thought it wasn't right. And then there was just there was just one chord change, and then oh, it's finished. Yeah. Don't you, by the same token, find songs that you actually publish, and then you listen to it yourself years later, and you think, now I can make it better. I can. Yeah, it. definitely. Do you know? And that's the other really th- thing I really like about Chris is that quite often he'll change songs, so like I play with him as well, and and I'll look around, and there's a whole new verse I've never heard before. I think it's really smart. Yeah, yeah. Keeping it. Oh, what word since it was officially yeah, written? You're just yeah. performing it. Yeah, and he'll, the life it, of it's and expanding suddenly, and evolving. Yeah, and, yeah, and he, he'll change it, change it, just to keep himself interested. And I went to see Chris uh, the other week uh, in uh, in Deptford. Yeah, uh, and he does this extraordinary thing with the back projection of, of the films and so forth. Yeah, I've yeah. never actually seen him do this before. Yeah, very good. <laughs> and. Um, he, he'll start a number, and then he'll, he'll ideally have got a little laptop <laughs> next to him, although it's not often, not, not always as smooth as that, you know. But, but basically, presses the, you know, the, the, the mouse to start the QuickTime movie mm. of the, like, three and a half minutes put together of mm. old newsreel, old stimulus material. Yeah, yeah. And he then will play along with the film that's going on behind him. And ideally, if they get it right, they finish it just right. as the film finishes. Well, he's, he's, got a, he's got a monitor there, you see. But for, when I play with him, the rest of us are having to do that. Like oh, that. right. And quite often we might have got to the second chorus a bit quick and then there's a very slow bit before the third verse. <laughs> so what's, how absolutely what's the connection between the film and the song? Is it meant it to just, be? Is it, just, it, just, it reflects the, you know, so he'll, he might be singing a song about, you know, growing up or something yeah. and it'll be a film of, you know, London in the 50s, mm. you know, people who look like his idea. parents or yeah, he does a song about dr- drinking about his parents being drinkers mm. I think and that's got loads of old uh, kind of picture posty type footage of people and in it, pubs well, there's yeah. funny ones as well there's that fat, fat as a fiddle song and there's just lots of pictures of fat people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, it's nice that's to sing that's such a good idea so Boo Boo your name mm. Boo Yes. How did you acquire this? God, I get asked that. Um, I, well, well yes. when I was six yeah. years old, I was in my primary school, and there were six of us called Mark, which is my name, and uh, so we named, made up names for ourselves so we could differentiate. Had the other, other four, presumably one still Mark, but the other four have still got their... Uh, I, well, I don't know. See, I don't know them anymore. But the thing is, that, so I'm Boo because of Boo, Boo Who, Boo Hoody. You know, That's what I was six. Expected. I was six. There is no but I think I did better than Ghouly Face. <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Minister of Defence. Yeah, pull it surprise with <laughs> Come and get your prize. Ghouly Face Smith. He had the last laugh. So you never felt the need to shrug that off. You never thought this is not as appropriate name to go into the music business with. I could be called Dirk Thrust or something like that. No, you boo hoo. I have no idea why. It's stuck. I've no idea. But nobody calls me Mark. Nobody. Mark, you know, family. No one does. So I suppose uh, it's only like Paul McCartney, isn't it? It was yeah. James, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Well, but Paul's his middle name, though. Whereas I don't think Boo is your no. middle name. <laughs> <laughs> now, also, as a child, you you suffer from agoraphobia. I did, I did when I first left home and went went to London. Yeah, it was. How does that work? Well, I, it was just uh, going outside was a, awful. Really, awful. and how old are we talking about? Uh, that was. Um, Probably about nine, 19, and I'd left home for a couple of years and stuff, yeah. And it was, yeah, and I had to, I remember I had to, I thought I have to go back to my parents, I remember the bus ride being very frightening, yeah. Did you, I'm fine now. How did you get, have you gone over that? So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I used to get panic attacks in the tube and stuff, but what I did is I, I just kept going down and going, and going. Faced your fear. Yeah, yeah, and it's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm now realising I'm probably going to feel a bit nervy on the tube on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks but, for that. Dave, years of therapy have been <laughs> unravelled in an instant. Because it, you can say acrophobia. <laughs> Strikes cheery uglenical to lift mood. <laughs> Bit of a problem for a touring musician, though, isn't it, acrophobia? Oh, well, then I'm fine. Yeah, we would be. It would be. I know people who are frightened of flying and won't play abroad and stuff like that. It yeah, does yeah. affect some people. Is David Bowie still like that, with the, with the old flying? David, that's why David Bowie did all those t- train tours, didn't he? In the, yeah, in the it wasn't 70s. just an affectation. Mm. You know, it was the Aretha Franklin doesn't yeah, fly, does she? Yeah, couldn't fly. Mm. Yeah, well. And um, what I wanted to ask you was, is since you've, you've, you've taken to things like blogging and Twitter and so forth, yeah. have all these, these digital toys yes. changed the life of the touring musician? 
Oh yeah, because in what way? Well, I like because I can. I've got an app on my phone that I can blog with, and so it's great. I mean, I like staring out the window because I tour on the train, and uh, I've just been on the train, and it's just it's always. I'd rather be doing something rather. Than so it's staring. you on your own when you go on tour, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I tour by myself, I tour with Eddie Reader as well, and I tour with Chris, and I tour with a woman called Heidi Talbot, so I do lots of, lots of different formats, but um, I do loads by myself, which I love, actually. I love it, I just love turning up with my stuff and doing it and going, it's a really nice feeling. You know? Yeah, yeah. But all these toys help occupy the kind of downtime. Yeah, I guess so. I just like being daft anyway, and I didn't have an outlet, and before then, before that, I'd have to try and be daft to the person sitting next to me on the train, <laughs> and they might not enjoy that. <laughs> You're one of those being guys. daft, by being daft, you mean engaging uh, members of the public, uh, strangers in conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get yeah. the stuff off of your chest on your blog, and if I can give people yeah. an example of this, okay. Um, right. This is—I don't know if this is a recent entry. Um, this is from a you know a, a notional local newspaper called right. Fenland Trumpet, <laughs> and the headline goes: "Local man makes disc." <laughs> <laughs> Now, you know, Mark and I have read a lot a of right, press releases. An article this written re- about... This is a refreshing change from every bullshit press release yeah. you've ever read. And it goes as follows. A local man has made a disc. <laughs> That's what it says. This is good. Singer-songwriter Boo Huardine, 47, of 23 Blythe Road, Ely, has been a professional musician since he was 21. I've been a professional musician since I was 21, said Huardine, 53. (laughs) (laughs) It goes on. Relaxing in the staff kitchen of the trumpet, he told me more. I love that. That changed that. I thought it was time I made a disc, he laughed. An insider. Yes. (laughs) The album, the album, I can't do justice to this. The album, I'll email you the title tomorrow. <laughs> was recorded locally in a professional studio. I recorded the album professionally in a local <laughs> studio. He laughed. <laughs> he opined. He has high hopes for the disc and plans to tour in the area. I shall be performing in the region, laughed Hewitty, 47. I asked him if being a professional musician was interesting. Quick as a flash, he replied. Yes. <laughs> I wished him all the best for the disc, and with a cheery slam of the door, he was gone. His age changes three times, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. That's, I think it's absolutely <laughs> So that's the sort of stuff that you, you get off your chest yeah, via yeah. a blog. You think, that's, that's right. got nowhere else to live, that kind of thing. Exactly, you know? I love it, actually, I love that. And, of course, yeah, I've been interviewed many times by local papers. <laughs> In fact, I didn't write that, I just photocopied <laughs> <laughs> it. That's the kind of thing they actually say, is it? Oh, totally, yes. That's really very, very strange. So whenever you have a new record out, you're featured in the local Ely newspaper? I have actually had the uh, the headline, Local Man Makes Disc. (laughs) (laughs) You're kidding, that wasn't made up. No, no, no. The old man bites dogs thing. (laughs) You also wrote a heart-rending thing uh, about uh, the fact that you didn't win an Ivan Novello Award. That was an incredible story. I went to the Ivan Novello Awards myself a couple of weeks ago. Tell us the story. This is 1995. 1995, yeah, my song Patience of Angels that Eddie sang was nominated as best song musically and lyrically, along with another song from her record by Kirsty McCall and Mark Nevin called Dear John, and Think Twice by Celine Dion. And I was sitting in the... Uh, <laughs> I didn't put this in, actually. I was sitting there with my uh, six-year-old daughter at the time in, in the award area. I don't know what they're called. And uh, there was a press release released in, in the foyer saying that I'd won. <laughs> and people started coming in the room and saying, you've won, you've won, you've won the award including Mark as well, you know, because uh, we were both up for it. And he said, you've won, you've won. Champagne arriving at my table. People who'd ignored me for years slapping me on the back. <laughs> yeah. And then Marianne Faithful stood up and said, think twice. <laughs> and apparently there'd been an argument backstage and they'd change, changed the... Uh, Change the thingy. It's like, who, who, who won? Think it's twice the Celine Dion song. Funnily enough. Yes. Was Celine there? No. No, but the fellow was, uh, who, who made it up. There goes my... He, here he is now. Doing a podcast. Yeah, it's good, yes. <laughs> the learned friends. But the thing I didn't put in the other thing, that I, I remember, is that everyone's looking at me, and they say, the winner is, and then oh, everyone looks away from me like that, and my little six-year-old daughter looks up at me and, Daddy, you lost. Oh, <laughs> 
this is a terrible oh, story. God, that's awful. <laughs> it doesn't reflect at all well on the organisation, I have to say. But this is how awards shows work, as you know, that the, the press who have to, in order to hit the deadlines for the you know evening standards, four o'clock print, or whatever, when they get in there, they take them to a room and they have given the winners, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so for well, a while, that was the story the Sony up- Awards, wasn't it? The other yeah. week, the guy, the guy from the Telegraph, was it sitting at your table? Yeah, who'd actually broke the embargo? Didn't realise he he posted the results or something oh, right, at right. six o'clock before leaving the office and said to the yeah. subs, "Do not publish this on the website till half past ten. Mm. And they. The pub's thought, look, the sub's thought, let's go to the boozer and uh, <laughs> put the stuff up. And so, you know, all the winners were posted on the Telegraph website long before they're actually given but out. But that is a heartbreaking thing. Oh, dear. I mean, I can't <laughs> How do you explain did, it? Did you, ever, did, did, did you complain to the Ivan? Oh, my manager at the time did, and then as uh, by way of compensation, they let me be a judge the following yes, year. Yes, that's bigger than me. Uh, yeah. right. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. I love the bit about Blackbush... Airport. Freight aircraft aerodrome Blackbush. Oh my god. Where we used to play on our go karts and bicycles and things. And eventually, when we were old enough to learn to drive, we used to go and try and learn to drive, tear around Blackbush, mm. uh, you know, in, in cars without license plates. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. Then, and then several years later, it was announced that Bob Dylan, yeah. my, all my life, I'd, I'd gone to see Bob Dylan wherever he was. Yeah. And suddenly, Bob Dylan had come to you. see me. Yeah. <laughs> I <couldn't laughs> his go kart. <laughs> yeah, and this terrorist go kart. <laughs> <laughs> Time for my boot heels to be wondering. I've got, a friend, <laughs> I've got a friend who lives not far from that place, and every time I go past it, I think this must be the most inhospitable place to put a gig on ever. Correct. Because it's mm. not in any way a natural amphitheatre, is it? But a, no. a, absolutely. It's com- flat. A, by definition, it's an airdrome. <laughs> it is flat, and the other thing about an airdrome, there's a consistent. Uh, uh, textural surface point I'm about to make. Go on. It's concrete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so usually your idea of a rock festival is a lie on very soft grass. Yeah, so, you know, verdant. Verdant grass and looking down, as you say, to a, to a marvellous natural panorama at the bottom of which is your favourite group playing directly in front of you. None of that, was no. it? Do you remember? Oh no, well, I'd never God. been to a rock festival before, so... Oh, I know, your I first concert, so you were a teenager, right? I mean, yeah, it was, I think it was... Well, you're 17, maybe. Mm. I got in trouble, because it was still during school time, and I went to a school where you had to go to school on Saturdays to do extra staring out the window. (laughs) 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 So what's your most treasured memory of Blackbush? Well, I don't have a treasured memory, because I don't know if you read it, because there there were no facilities there at all. And we got there very, very early, six in the morning, and uh, decided to just... We thought, well, if no-one's come, we can just go here, uh, by the sound desk. And, of course, uh, suddenly a quarter of a million people came and were shoved against the sound desk. And there was there were no toilets anywhere, and basically there was a little bit of there was sound desk there and a, and a fence around it, so people were using us as a as a toilet, basically, you know. So that was going on all day, and eventually, I don't know, I, I should, I'm just, I'll just be honest, I needed I needed to do a number two, right? So <laughs> I pushed my way back through a quarter of a million people. Uh, and it took ages, and I don't can remember who's playing. Missing what? Joan Armour trading. No, no, Berger, it's him. No, I, I, Clapton and his band. That's right. No, I waited right till then. He was he was playing. I want you as I as I pushed through. I remember that. I sort of there, and I eventually found some trees at the back, and I I, I did what needed to be done. And then uh, somebody in a car turned on his lights, and it startled me, and then I <laughs> fell into it. So uh, oh, oh, that's my memory of that. Oh, <laughs> Bad experience. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't really read the whole entry. I just thought, wow, Blackbush. You know. Oh my God, I hope it wasn't me that turned See, the car. You can't thing. listen to that song in the same in the same way at all. No, I still. That's, no, as I said, Blood, Blood on the Tracks is still my favourite album. Right. It, was, it survived even that, you know. <laughs> but you, you've undergone the kind of humiliations and discomfort that audiences go through. So as a performer, yeah. when you stand on stage. Yeah. Are you aware of that in the audience? Oh, yeah. De- oh, definitely. Definitely. I don't like it if I see people being squashed or uncomfortable. I always pipe up, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, because I don't... It's, it's sort of a... It's not nice. How aware <laughs> are you of the audience and what they're well, doing? I'm and- a bit dodgy with the seeing, so... Uh, in- <laughs> I've definitely. <laughs> you can tell which direction they are in the general. You know. <laughs> yeah, they're oh, all sort of. Sort of, sort of, 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 of here, boo. 
Yeah. No, I've, I've, I have, I've, um, I, 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 was, I, I have, have a song where I encourage people to get up and dance, and I had to then really apologise to this lovely woman in a wheelchair afterwards because I was giving her a jip because she wouldn't get up. And that was like, well, we're still friends, actually. but <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, but then we, and I was like, I couldn't really see very well. Oh, and I'm so sorry. Yeah. Where do you stand on the audience talking issue, which appears to be oh, a raging topic? I don't nowadays. mind at all. I, like it. I love it. It's a bit the bantering. No, but I mean, I mean talking the while you're so. playing. Well, you know... Eddie's are you like not aware of it? No, no, Eddie and I, uh, actually, we've both got this thing, it's all right, if they're, if they're talking, think, right, it's a challenge, and your challenge is to shut them up, you know, not by being petulant and sticking your lip out, but by just trying to be as good as you can be, you know. Right. So, I don't mind it at all, really. And, I, in fact, it normally works, they normally shut up or leave, one of the two. <laughs> when do you, and how do you feel about things like phone cameras and all that sort of stuff? Because it, oh. it always strikes me that... that, that, that that what a performer must see nowadays when they look out yeah. is fundamentally <clears throat> different from what it was yeah, you see, see ten years ago. Yeah. You just see blue. I kind of like it if they're holding the phone up. If they're holding it like that, it's not so... <laughs> sending a text or something, it's not so so enjoyable. <laughs> I don't mind at all. I don't mind what any, anyone does, really. I, I, one of my happiest memories is when uh, two people had a fight in front of me in, uh, in Sheffield Folk Club because they were just disagreed about which were my songs they preferred and it actually got physical and I really enjoyed that. Probably well, that's very flattering. Yeah. yeah, I just sort of stood and watched it. It was good. You talked New Zealand. Did you, and did you tell them what the answer was? Which one was the better song? Or? Well, I don't know. You see, I didn't actually hear which two they were discussing. It was, it was, it got How did you know they were fighting about that? Because the people around them, the donut around them. <laughs> the donut. <laughs> the they had a boat? Did, yeah. so, you uh, toured New Zealand? I Not did just yeah, just with yeah just uh, last month month before yeah. and how was that lovely lovely it was the second time I've been there I absolutely loved it really loved it we played at um, Womad in Taranaki and I, it was fantastic Colexico uh, that was our, our happy memory of seeing them there they were brilliant yeah were you playing tiny places uh, no we were playing big folk festivals right really. uh, we didn't do we did one we played in a library in Dunedin <laughs> <laughs> that was it was quite a big, big library was that? How that was two hundred people. Did you have to keep the noise down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you're currently oh, offering unplugged, unplugged. Just yeah. <laughs> well, currently, uh, various people have been asking questions via the the, the word Twitter feed. Oh. Uh, Drakey girl says, saw on your site that that. Um, that you're offering to play concerts in people's houses. Yeah, I like doing house concerts. I heard about. How does that work? Well, uh, you go to the house and you sing for a bit. But there's my friend Darden Smith. He told me about uh, them in America. They're quite popular. In fact, some oh, people, really, they are. I've some people have actually adapted their houses to make little stages and stuff like that. And um, I got asked to play somebody's fortieth birthday or something a few years ago, and I, and I, I enjoyed it. So. I, but I isn't this a sort of just a, just a slightly scaled down version of what old Levon Helm's been doing for quite yeah. a long time with the band Levon Helm? Yeah. These things, well, they've got a midnight ramble. Yeah, yeah. Come this place in Woodstock, <clears> and I think they, you know, you pay fifty quid or something, and you're meant to bring along food, aren't you? You bring along, yeah, you a, can a, do a potluck it's, dinner. It's you know, like, you bring along some barbecue wings, and, and you know, uh, you know, some some, uh, some homemade pasties or something, and a couple of cans of bud, key lime pie, key lime pie, exactly, key lime pie. That's <laughs> 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 well done. What I said, pasties for for God's sake, Woodstock. And they play the you know the, the night I drove old Dixie down or whatever, and, and you you know, just have a bit of supper by yeah. a log fire. I mean, it's, it's a, you're going around to people's living rooms, really. It's living rooms, or sometimes they've got little tents in their gardens, or or you'll you'll be standing in a gazebo. But it, um, it's really good, and it, I, what I like about it is that you, you play in a different way than if you're in a club or something. What in what way? You, well, you're very aware that there's people just I don't right, know, you sort of concentrate in a different way. So I, I, I like it. And, uh, and do you then do you feel obligated to play exactly because they they're paying you and it's their house exactly mm. the set list that they want you to play? Oh, or, or they might, they'd like to, to I'd like to hear, but um, in general they just let me get on with it. And, uh, I mean, I they'd have, be a I bit fed a... up if you sort of went, yeah, I don't do the old stuff anymore. direction. Yeah, I'd go, what I do is I get people to pay me to go to their house and sulk. No, no, of course I'll do, <laughs> do whatever they want. <laughs> So give us a tune that goes down well when you play people's houses. I thought I'd play the song that lost the Ivan of Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the best, second best song of the year. <laughs> From the top of the bus She thought she saw him wait She's all Tuesdays and forgetfulness And a little 
money say does she know I don't know but from here I can tell it would try the patience of angels it would try the patience of angels Something's wrong when the morning hurts your eyes And the baby won't stop crying You'll be waiting till you die Would I be any good if I was what I find It would try the patience of angels Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, were talk- we were talking about talking about someone writing in the office this morning when uh, somebody was playing um, a Sandy Denny record that she made with the Straubs mm. very early in her career, which yeah. I'd never heard before. Which, which had who, who knows where the time goes yes, on. That's it. right. Yeah. Which we reckon she wrote when she was nineteen years old. Probably, yeah. Which is just... Wise beyond the view. <laughs> it's absolutely yeah. astonishing. Yeah. That's a wonderful song. It is. It is. So, you, you've got on your blog, one of the things I, I wanted you to, to just uh, um, talk a bit more about, about your glancing encounters with famous people. Yeah, they're always quite disappointing. Yeah. You might have to remind me, remind me of, uh, of <laughs> them. Because you I said think... John Lydon once held the door open for me in a rehearsal That's studio. That's John Henry's in King's Cross, yeah. Well, right. Is that the beginning and end of the anecdote? <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> I didn't say they were very good. <laughs> no, no. no, it goes on. Ralph McTell lent me 50p for a fag machine. <laughs> That's true, yeah. OK, what's, what's the rest? Did you buy any further? Uh, they were, uh, they were more polite, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Wayne good. Sleep... You met Wayne Well, that, yes, that was very... When uh, the Bible, we were on Wogan, and we were both... Uh, Wayne Sleep was on as well, and he was being made up, and I'm being made up just in this room and, uh, with the makeup people, and they had to be called away for an on-set emergency, and I think it was probably <laughs> the most awkward three minutes of my life. <laughs> like, like that. <laughs> Sorry, you dance, then. What is an on-set emergency in the world of uh, uh, action makeup? I, I, I don't know. Perhaps Terry was melting. I yeah, Terry <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Something was slipping on <laughs> top of Terry. Yeah, there might have been. <laughs> and and Rod Stewart, you met him at an awards well, Rod Stewart, Yeah, I met him at a, at another Ivor and a fellow uh, thing because I got I got invited for a few years before I decided that I didn't really fancy <laughs> yeah. going anymore. And he said, t- yeah, he asked me to 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 write songs with him uh, because we had the same A and R person, uh, Rob Dickens. Do you remember? Oh, him? oh yes, yes, very well. And uh, so it's great. So I got his address, and I'm on the train on the way to write his house. And and one of his people rings up, and says he doesn't really feel like it. So I mean, that was you're on the train already. On the train, uh, yeah, yeah. No. So my encounters tend to be a little. And bit that was the end of it. That's the end of that story. Well, actually, there is more because then I wrote a song which he liked, and I organised a recording session for him to come and sing it, and he didn't come to that either. So you know, oh, I felt okay. I'd covered that with the first story. See, <laughs> are you in that that kind of? Um, Area where people are constantly saying you should write a song for yeah, a well-known rock star kind to, of thing. Yes, I used do you find it, is it presumably a difficult business? Is it politically with people? Yeah, it is a very. Polit- I used to do it a lot more, and some of my friends do it and have. But you have to be so patient and just live in a little room, writing songs directed at people. A very good friend of mine wrote "Mercy" by Duffy, and it was years and years of struggling, and then bang, you know. I like, I prefer playing live, and I like I write writing songs for people like Eddie and you know like Chris Drever and people like that. I, I enjoy that so much more than the businessy sort of writing. So I don't do it anymore. But I'm really fascinated with this business because there's two, there's two ways you can do that. You can either write the song and you present it to the person, or you can be brought in to collaborate with the person. I, I do sometimes collaborate, but my favourite thing is like almost being given homework. And uh, with, with with Chris Drever, it's really interesting because I noticed he wouldn't. He doesn't sing love songs. They're story songs. It, you have to think about his key. Everything. 
I love it. It's like getting commissioned. Absolutely. And um, that's one of my favourite things. And I just in the other day in the car, Eddie suggested an idea for a song, and I've been thinking about it. I, I, I like it. it. Otherwise, it's just just sitting there. But the, 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 the sort of diplomacy that must be required. I remember talking to Dave Stewart um, of Eurythmics oh, about yeah. this bit a while ago, and he's very much a. Yeah, Ray Dare yeah, character is yeah. brought in to mm. cap the, the burning wells you know, <laughs> yeah. of, of commercial decline. You know, mm. and uh, I, I, don't, I don't think he would mind me saying, probably nor would uh, Brian Ferry, but he was brought in to help out with the Brian Ferry project. Brian Ferry's notable procrastinator, okay. and worked when he was signed to Virgin Records. Worked on a record that just wasn't sort of, I suppose, getting anywhere. And I think I really kind of understood that. You know, effectively, Brian Ferry has been told by the headmaster could do better. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. You know, you've been told it's almost like extra maths, it's yeah, extra yeah. tuition. I'm bringing it. You know, you'll love him. He's a lovely guy. He's had a couple of hits himself. He's younger than you. He's no great threat. You know what I mean? And then he comes. And then comes this bloke who's, you know, then says, you know, play me what you got. And yeah. I love that idea. You'd want to be a fly on the wall, and to hear how you say to somebody. And you, you probably have some yeah. thoughts about this now. But how yeah. do you say to somebody? I, I, I like, I like the basis of that song, but I, 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 I like this bit. Or, or I, I do shorten the. I do. I, it's, it depends how you do it, really. I do it all the time. I'm producing someone at the moment, and, and she played me a, a song, and I just said, well, that's all right, but you need to take that bit out and stuff. But because she sort of trusts me, there was, none, there, were no, there was no huffing about. And I think if you're open to it, it's, it's really exciting thing to do. Chris Difford, as well, did, used to uh, help Brian with his lyrics oh, yes, as well. Oh, yes, he did, didn't so, he? You know, didn't he? But that's... True. It's, isn't it? Chris is great at that. You can play something with Chris, and he'll tell you exactly which bits need to move and all that sort of thing, you know. But they wouldn't be threatened by Chris, would they? Well, I don't know. It depends. Some people are just very, very touchy, aren't they? Yes. But I've noticed that people who are quite good aren't touchy. You know, they're quite they're quite secure in what they've done. And somebody suggests something, they'll just consider it rather than sort of getting in a big strop. But I can remember interviewing a long yeah. time ago, interviewing a guy from uh, 10CC, Eric Stewart of 10CC, yeah, yeah. and he'd been one of the people who was brought in to try and write songs for McCartney, and, and as was Elvis Costello, and various other people. Oh, yeah, so that, that was time. just the most. Overawing thing. Yeah, he said, You're brought into the room, and McCartney wanted to write with him um, guitar to guitar, which is in fact guitar neck to guitar neck, yeah, 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 technically, because yeah. he's a left handed yeah. guitar. Yeah. So you're literally face to face and looking at each other's hands and working out the chords in exactly the same slot that used to be occupied by John Lennon. And I think he found it <laughs> just completely destabilizing. Yeah, he was so giddy, be, yeah. he couldn't hardly speak. You know? And you find it very hard to do any work. It's yeah, interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I love yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. I really do. I was talking to one musician who'd uh, who'd been um, put with my manager, put him with Bernie Taupin. Uh, to Bernie was has got some lyrics. You you you're good at the tunes. Bernie yeah, would yeah, would yeah. like to provide you with some lyrics, and he thought, oh, great, fine. <clears throat> and then he, he he woke up in the morning, and his fax machine had run out of paper. <laughs> and oh, and the, the nearing out. Yeah. The, his office yeah. was literally knee deep. Yeah. Mm. So in Daniel is leaving tonight on a plane. <laughs> You've done that one already. <laughs> <laughs> I sat on the roof. I kicked off the boss. Some of these verses have got me going across. This is yeah, a waste yeah. of time. It was just, <laughs> it was just incredible. You know, it was an absolutely automated process. <laughs> Extraordinary. Oh, um, t- tell us your Garth Brooks story. Oh. Well, this is, uh, this, is, uh, this is from my friend Derek. I, I used to work in a record shop with uh, my friend Derek Chapman, and there was a competition in The Independent, and it was pre-Google, so you had to actually know stuff, you know. <laughs> and it was 100 <laughs> questions, and it was really, really, really hard. And uh, we decided to help each other. So um, It was a big prize, wasn't it? It was a big prize. The, the big prize was uh, a week, uh, fortnight in San Francisco. You know, That's fly, a good prize. Very, very good, good, very good prize. So we helped each other, and uh, it, it transpired that we were the only two people who got all the questions right. But I'd just written, a, written read a book about uh, America and American place names, and there was a bylaw whereby all Berg towns, uh, Gettysburg and so forth, had to end B-U-R-G. So there was a question about Lou Reed where the answer was Pittsburgh, and with that in mind I wrote Pittsburgh without the H on the end. Thinking you were being clever. And when in fact I was being stupid. <laughs> so Derek, who I'd helped, took his bloody girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> to San Francisco. And yeah. he, he took, took her girlfriend. girlfriend to San Francisco, and I got the second prize, which was Garth Brooks' That's greatest hit. That's never happened to you before in life, has it? No. <laughs> the second prize. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Blue Paul on Twitter wants to know, do you still play that game where you lose a letter in a band's name to improve it? 
I do occasionally. Yeah, that's called Chin Crisis, that game. Uh, <laughs> How does that work? Well, so the, well, I, the bottom on, on our first tour, we were playing with China Crisis, and we arrived, oh, uh, we arrived at a theatre, and the A had fallen off. <laughs> so the game... Chin Crisis. <laughs> 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 So the game's called Chin... I mean, the thing is, that I know what the winner is even now, because you can play it for hours, but I do know the winner, which is the Grateful Dad. So... <laughs> Well, you got one that here. Such a good game. One here that's quoted by Blue Paul is "Laughter and the Dogs." All oh, right, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, no, that's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, true. this is this it's a good game. It's rich. It's comedy. a road game, isn't it's, it? Yeah. There are lots of them. There are, there are lots of games. There's the uh, there's the uh, two two sh- two shops in a row full title game, as well. So it might it might say uh, pet shop funeral directors or something. If, <laughs> yeah, if, oh, you, yeah. if you get a full full title. Type title. Yeah, this is bands just whiling away the. You have to do that, time. otherwise you just either that or you just sort of you know scream into a pillow. What, 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 what Nick Lowe would call a mile melter. Yes, <laughs> he used to tell long anecdotes on, on the road with his various bands and still does. You know, which are yes. mile melters, which is just uh, just basically Nick telling the same old story about playing Keith Richards in a pub in yeah. New York. I was interested in your blog. Uh, the you had a picture of picture of signs backstage that you see. When you're making way, your way to the stage. Oh, that's quite an old one. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It fascinates me. What sort of things do you see? I, I, I was, I was at the Sage Gateshead the oh, other yeah, week, yeah. and on your on your way to the stage, it has a sign saying, "You are at the Sage Gateshead. Please mention this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, while you're there, and you know, just, just that stuff that's designed for the performer. It never struck me that this kind of thing. Happened absolutely well, everywhere. a good idea. Yes, but it is. That avoids the terrible hello Birmingham. You yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah the, there are lots of. They assume we're quite daft, you know. So there are lots of point, you know, this way to the toilet and all that. Like <laughs> several, but I, I, I kind of like it when the the, uh, the previous night's group has left their set list by the, you know, like you'll get a human league set list or something like that. <laughs> so I always enjoy that. You know. Well, it'll be it just pays it's still it's still Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was saying, do, do you feel tempted to you know launch into open your heart or something like that because it's it's there possibly. I got I got a Rufus Wainwright one, which uh, my wife really loves Rufus Wainwright. So uh, that we've got that framed on the on, on the wall from being found gaffered next to the, the monitor. Cause Very we, nice. We were on the night Very night. nice. I love your facts. I think a friend makes these up. The facts right. that may not be true. All right. Yeah. Ronald Reagan was a woman. Yes. <laughs> that is true, though, isn't it? <laughs> the WI performed... <laughs> the WI performed human sacrifices. Again. Well, it came from a, a friend of mine who I used to play guitar with claimed, claimed to have invented the, the ducks, quacks, don't echo thing. And so I just thought I'd like to start one. I can't remember what. Do you think we've got crabs play a basic form of rugby league? <laughs> <laughs> a basic form. Well, they're not that bright, are they? No, they're going Time goes backwards at the centre of a flame. See, that one might fly. That sounds like know. a yeah. Rick Wakeman album title. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, snap was being considered as a possible Olympic sport. It could have been. Could, couldn't why couldn't it? I have was been trying to exactly? make them credible as well. If we're going to spread rumours, Mars yeah. bars used to contain opium. <laughs> well, that's based on Coca-Cola used to contain yes, cocaine. Right, yeah, it's exactly the same guy. Rich theme, isn't it? This is so funny. So it's a really long one here. I've got to read this out. What is it? Yeah. George the, the seventh lost the monarchy in a game of gin rummy, <laughs> and the great royal family and now the descendants of Eric Morley, founder of Mecca Ballroom. <laughs> 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 oh, I really love this. The Rosetta Stone is actually a receipt. With <laughs> 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 all, yes. all the things you have for lunch itemised. Yes. But it's stone, yeah. chiselled in. Well, One prawn cocktail. Well, there's, there's more, there's the, the, all this and, and a lot more is on, on Boo's blog, oh, which I do heartily recommend, and we'll, oh. uh, we'll post a link on the site. Before we finish, Fraser, when we're talking about glancing encounters with famous people, this is a perfect opportunity for you to tell your story about the Princess of Wales, the late Princess of Wales. Which one? I met her oh, twice. God, got more than one. Come you on. You met the Princess of Wales? Twice, yeah. One, one of them was glancing and boring. You I went. told us this? I don't know. I, I, Sorry. It was when I was, just, a, I was a cycle courier and she stopped me, or she was in a, driving with her bodyguard in an open-top Mercedes down Marylebone High Street and asked for the directions to Marylebone Lane and I sent her deliberately off in the wrong direction. <laughs> So that was one. And the other one, when she was uh, opening a woman's refuse office at the house I used to live in, and uh, I, kind of, I didn't know she was there, and, and went to the front of the barrier to look, and then she was standing with her hand out, so I shook it. 
Arise. Did you stay anything? No, no. Did you say you've become far? No, I should have done it, shouldn't I? No. Have you had a glancing encounter with a famous person? <laughs> Completely meaningless and I stepped on that. I told you about my, my meeting with the Queen. You? I know about you. Tell me again. I know about you. No, seriously. One night I was walking through, it was some evening about ten years ago, I was walking through Green Park. Uh, and that involves crossing the Mall, you know, which leads up to Buckingham Palace. Beautiful summer evening. I was going down there. It was very quiet. But I noticed the police had blocked off the traffic up at the roundabout outside the palace. And then I noticed a motorcycle outrider was coming past. And then I noticed it was going in front of a large yeah. roller that I noticed had a big standard on the front, which was going quite slowly because it clearly wasn't going far. And, uh, and so, so it came to pass that I was standing there waiting for this little motorcade to go past on my own, on the mall, and this car contained the Queen and, and the Duke of Edinburgh, who looked at me, and I looked at them. Are you were the only person? I was right? literally so the only person. Okay. I was you have so a little flag. <laughs> I didn't have a little flag. <laughs> I didn't have a little flag. I can't, yeah. can't do this justice in a podcast because basically... <laughs> We both simultaneously waved at each other. Nice. That's just oh. very mildly. Did the wrong I, just, I just waved a hand, and she and he both just waved a little bit back. I don't like to feel, you know, you got your money's worth. That really... You, you think really they drove away talking she about it? Sorry? You think they drove away talking about it? <laughs> I think they think... That's what we do. We wave at people. I didn't get either in large crowds or in small or numbers. Individually, yeah. It's like you doing, doing gigs in house. people's living rooms. I didn't get it's the same that thing. That's your job. I remember, well, this, I remember that. Sense. I live in Chiswick, which is quite... And when people come off the motorway, the M4, which comes directly from Heathrow, they turn left, mm. quite near my house. And I remember listening to Today programme, which is about to go to work, and they were saying, I'm at the Heathrow airport now, and President Clinton has just landed. He's going through customs. <laughs> He's not quite... But, and I remember <laughs> thinking, oh, God, that means the traffic's going to be jammed because a, a, a mm. motorcade and I got on the 94 bus and sure enough the bus stopped at the point where the motorcade came past and it was absolutely fantastic to mm. watch it was precisely the opposite of what you're talking about there's, oh, our, yes. there's our monarch you know admittedly uh, armour plated uh, yeah. uh, car but probably not, not much police presence right. and this thing had uh, 16 vehicles <laughs> two of which were armoured right and okay. it had what they use now all the time because in fact cl- um uh, Obama's Michelle Obama. wife, Michelle Obama, came. She just, 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 just after they got elected, oh, just directly outside this office. I did yeah. see it actually. Oh, yeah. And uh, they, you know, and, and they use this system where they have three or four blacked out uh, limousines in the middle. Um, but there's three or four of them, so you have absolutely no idea which one she's in. Of course, she's not in any of them. She's probably <laughs> actually in a cheeky little yeah, well, they also have mini metro at the back of the bloke penny. You can they also have what they call <laughs> plasma trucks, don't they? Going oh, with them. plasma trucks. What's yeah. Plasma trucks. Yeah. Plasma trucks is basically ambulances with, you know, oh, full oh, kind see, of, see, you know... What's the matter? I was just thinking, Bruce just put his guitar down. I was thinking, Bruce going to end on a song. He's going to give us a song at the end. Oh, good. Oh, good. Sorry. <laughs> or he can play the uke. Or play the uke. Um, yeah. So the, the the, those are our glancing encounters with uh, with famous people. Oh, I've got one more. Oh, I've got I, one more. I accidentally stepped on Frank Bruno's foot. Oh. Did he complain? No, no. He, I apologised and we walked on. It was it was very brief. Okay. Have I done my Frank Worthington and the urinal story? No. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Worthington, legendary footballer. <laughs> You know, of an earlier era, and I went to see Bruce Springsteen at St James's Park in Newcastle, and Jack Charlton was the manager in those days, and we were in the director's box watching it with the whole Newcastle squad. And at that time, Frank Worthington was on Newcastle's books. And Frank Worthington, for those who don't know, was a bit of a romantic footballer. You know, Elvis haircut, and you know, a bit more to him than a lot of footballers. And at half time, I went to the gents, and there was Frank Worthington having a slash. And I was standing next to him. And I come from Yorkshire, where <clears throat> Frank is, is a legend. And I said, you're Frank Worthington. As you do. Yeah. yeah. And I he know said, coming. you're David Hepworth. You're David oh. Now oh. that's a good story. <laughs> oh. oh, my Lord. <laughs> Famous amongst minor footballers, you know. There you so, go. did he have an old Robert Palmer video? He wanted yeah, to do an autograph. He just wanted to know when fish Where's heads by Barnes and Barnes yeah. were going to be on Whistletown. 
So, uh, booze is available to play in your front room. I am, yeah. If you, you know, well, it doesn't it, have to be the front room. <laughs> this time of year, out in the garden. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, uh, and we'll, we'll post uh, you know, a link to your site so that uh, anybody who wants to get in touch. What else you got going on? Well, I, yeah, I'm doing lots of festivals with Eddie Reader. Um, I'm doing a tour with uh, Heidi Talbot. It's me, Heidi Talbot, and John McCusker. Do you know John oh, yes, yes. Brilliant. Three Brilliant. of us go Brilliant. out. Uh, yeah, he's just doing um, Mark Knopfler's tour at the moment. And oh, so really? I think he's going to be in a bit of shock when he comes back from that and has to play <laughs> with us a lot again. And then um, doing some more stuff. No room service. No room service. <laughs> no, no room. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, and, and Chris, I mean, Chris Difford will be doing stuff. <coughs> so, yeah. Good. Yeah, what are you going to play for us now? Well, I thought I'd, I, I, it's going to go wrong, so but there you go. Who loves the sun? By the Velvet Underground, in a cheery style. <laughs> excellent, okay. excellent. <clears throat> Who loves the sun? Who cares that it makes plants grow? Who cares what it does? Since you broke my heart. <laughs> Who loves the wind? Who cares that it makes breezes? <laughs> Who cares what it does since you broke my heart? La 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 la. Who loves the sun? <laughs> la 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 la. Who loves the sun? La 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 la. Not Loves the rain. Who cares that it makes flowers? Who cares that it makes showers? Since you broke my heart, you broke my heart then. yeah. <laughs> Who loves the sun? Who cares that it is shining? Who cares what it does? Since you broke my heart, la 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 la. Who loves the sun? La 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 la, who loves the sun? La 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 la, not everyone. La 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 la, who loves the sun? Yes. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. This podcast is brought to you by The Word magazine, media partner of Latitude Festival 2010. For more details, go to www.latitudefestival.co.uk. 